0: Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Mark and me podcast as always I'm your host Mark now joining me on today's episode is an absolutely incredible movie director Andre Overdell. this guy first blew my mind when I watched the film quite a long time ago now troll hunter I didn't know anything about it I knew it didn't have a massive budget And it blew my mind. I couldn't believe how good it looked. How well shot it was. The cinematography, the directing, it just blew my mind. And honestly, if you're listening right now, stop the podcast and go and watch Troll Hunter. It's that good. I've also seen The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I thought was a great horror. And we get to talk about his brand new film, Mortal, which everyone is saying, X-Men meets Chronicle. And if that doesn't sell it to you, I don't know what does. So it's a really good chat and we get to go... Into loads of detail about his inspirations growing up and what he's got ahead of him, and trust me, he's got a huge future ahead of him. But in true typical Mark and me fashion, you know the score by now, I like to touch base and discuss my last episode. It only came out a few days ago, and I was joined by the 80s absolute legend, Joey Kramer. We got to talk all about Flight of the Navigator, but the talk got very deep. We got to talk all about his time in prison and what it's been like since he's left and how he's turned his whole life around. I did think when I put this episode out it would do well but I wasn't prepared for just how well. It's one of my most downloaded episodes and in a single day it had the most single downloads I've ever had in one day and that goes against all my other guests I've previously had. I've had emails where people have talked about how much they're grateful for this interview and it's helped them get through bad times themselves. I've had people that have said just how much they love the interview and I've forwarded all that on to Jerry and he's absolutely loved reading them. So thanks for everyone that's took the time to do that. But let's get back to today's episode. As I said, I'm joined by one of the best directors out there and I can't wait for you to listen to this chat. So here's me and Andre Overdale talking all things movies. So Andre, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Oh,
1: my pleasure. Looking forward to it.
0: What I wanted to do is for the listeners out there is take it back to the very start. So when you were growing up, what were those kind of early films that you remember as a child that made you fall in love with cinema?
1: Um, I, it's funny, maybe they were all actually Bond movies. Um, and uh, I remember Young Sherlock Holmes, I remember Star Wars, of course, um, who doesn't? Um, and uh, a lot of Hollywood spectacle, a lot of Spielberg's movies. Um, uh, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was like my favorite movie of all time for two decades, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just. Uh, so I've I've always loved you know good Hollywood entertainment movies rather than like deep, profound European art movies or something like that. It's uh, yeah,
0: I'm quite surprised by that answer because your films are very different. So I was expecting you to say some of the, the lower known films or the European releases. So it's good to hear that you've uh grown up on some absolute huge, huge blockbusters,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that. That said, then I'm trying to weave my own life or attitudes about storytelling and uh, the grounded Scandinavian uh, element maybe or something into it to become something unique or something else. Yeah.
0: So when you were watching these films as a kid, were you thinking at any point you wanted to be a filmmaker or were you thinking, you know, what what were you doing at school and college? Where was your mind at? Did you want to be a filmmaker or was it later on in life? No,
1: I wanted to be a filmmaker quite early on. But I mean, what is early on? I think early mid teens Um, and uh, I started shooting short films with my friends when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 with Super 8 a little bit. And then I went over to video cameras. um, Mm And it was, um, and we, we shot like tons of action movies in the, uh, around my our houses and a horror movie about a guy who gets possessed by a Ouija board that was actually a feature film. Um, and I uh, remember we made a vampire movie and we did makeup, we did explosions, we did all kinds of, <laughs> it was a lot of stuff. Um, and I spent like years just focusing on this. And then eventually my parents realized, well, he really likes this stuff. So they allowed me to go to the US to, to study film there when I was 19. And uh, I spent three, five years there, three and a half years at the school.
0: I would absolutely love to see those Super 8 films you made as a kid. I bet they're well funny to look back <laughs> at now.
1: Yeah, they're not for public consumption, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you went over to America and studied for five years. Uh, how was that experience? Did you find it quite challenging or was it? did you embrace it every day?
1: No, I mean, I embraced, uh, I didn't go much to the beach. I was in Santa Barbara. I was just pretty much focused on movies. And, you know, w- with my friends there, we, we made, we sh- continuously shot stuff. And that was, so, what was great about that specific school was it was very practical and hands-on and, you were, you were making movies every, uh, and doing stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and I was, uh, yeah, and I spent three and a half years there. and I got a bachelor degree and then we, my friends and I moved to LA um, and we spent, I spent a year, year and a half there before my visa expired and I had to move back. And then eventually I started directing commercials in Norway. Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously, the film I knew you for, and it absolutely blew my mind the very first time I saw it. Someone said, you need to watch this film called Troll Hunter. And I was like, I've never heard of it. I'll give it a go. And I bought the Blu-ray without even knowing anything about it. And oh. it, blew, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe the budget. I couldn't believe how good it looked. And you can't have ever been prepared for that response and the way that it blew up.
1: No, I mean, I was, uh, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, to get, I remember getting on Facebook, Some somebody presented themselves as an agent from WME, and it was like, he became my agent. And he said, well, we represent Ridley Scott and Tarantino and all these famous people, and we would really love to discuss representing you. And it's like, what the hell? And then they, shh. <laughs> And then they shoved me over to the to the U.S. for three weeks uh, immediately after the release of the movie. Three weeks of just meeting everybody in Hollywood in a way, just driving around from meeting to meeting to meeting, and it was just like a crazy flurry of uh, of uh, yeah craziness.
0: <laughs> And I think one of the reasons I saw it was Empire magazine or someone, but Del Toro had obviously supported you and put his name to it and everything. And how was that meeting him for the first time? Because I think your minds are very similar when the way you create your films and the way that you present your films are very in line with each other.
1: Yeah, but that actually is a relationship that was only like two years. It's only two years ago. Um, The uh, the, the, I think uh, what you're thinking about is he has a TV show that has exactly the same title but it's completely unrelated. He has the Troll Hunters, which yeah. is a ch- children's cartoon show. And, and it's somehow, weirdly enough, um, he has the same title with an ass <laughs> girl. <laughs> um, and I, we never really met until about... Uh, where was it? It was... Jan- we started tweeting about... Uh, he tweeted about the autopsy of Jane Doe in January 2017, I believe-ish. And... Um, and it, how much he liked it. And it was like, wow. And I remember we had this little tweet conversation about our common titles. And, uh, and eventually he asked me to, uh, to direct, to take over the directing duties on the movie he was supposed to direct next, yeah. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was you know a fantastic thing. Uh, to, yeah. And I've, I spent now I, uh, in that period, 2018, 19, basically a year and a half working with him, and it was, uh, another, you know, a, something you can ever dream of ex- having the opportunity to experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to get a few hours with him would be incredible to kind of see how his brain works and the way that he creates these incredible sets and designs and the vision he has. So to know that you had weeks with him and all this time, it must have been a dream come true.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he's an awe-inspiring storyteller and filmmaker, and visualist of worlds and the way he uh, puts everything together is just totally unique and so beautiful and so amazing and uh, and then to be in his i mean just to meet him and just the way he is as a person is just so he's so warm and welcoming and uh, and friendly and he's uh and to learn from the way his mind works both on a practical level and on how he sees the world is just uh a gift to anybody who's around him.
0: So. And, you, and you just mentioned The Autopsy of Jane Doe. This is one of the films that really stuck out for me um, about four years ago. It was one of the horrors that, again, I didn't know much about. I put it on and I was blown away. It's a, a really dark film, but done so well. And I think there's so many horrors out in the market now that you can miss quite a lot of titles, but I was so glad I saw it. And I think you must be really proud of the way it came out.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I'm... I'm Almost more proud of that movie than of Trollhunter at times because it's more me as a filmmaker. Trollhunter yeah. was very much a one off. It had to be that way of shooting it for many reasons. And I spent a lot of I spent years developing the plot and the characters and the story and everything. And in a way, that's, that's all good. And I, I'm so happy with that movie. But the autopsy Do was, I had to uh, put my skill at work on a different level. As a filmmaker and had to live up to people's expectations in a different way um, and it was somebody else's script and somebody else's movie that they loved and I they brought me in as a partner to to create it. and then to have the movie you know succeed
0: was uh, a huge relief and uh, yeah. And as we're sitting here right now your new film Mortals about to be uh, released um, how did this come about? Obviously the Norwegian mythology, was it your idea to try and tell it in a different way? Was it that your kind of idea when this came about?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, um, obviously there are some big Hollywood movies that are dealing with similar, similar subjects and I, you know, there's no way to compete with that. Either you make one of those movies or you make something completely different. Yeah. And I w- I wanted to kind of take that mythology a little bit back to Norway because we're not good enough at exploiting our uh, our great the, the greatest things in our culture, which is you know trolls and Vikings and uh, and the northern mythology. And it's uh, I just wanted to u- utilize that, and I actually really love uh, using these classical elements and putting a, a modern spin on them. It's a it's an intriguing thing that I'm. Uh, and it shows the timelessness of, um, of storytelling,
0: yeah. in a way. Um, I mean, for me, the movie felt very intimate. Um, it's quite low-key, and I really like the way that it was very close to nature, uh, the way he controlled atmosphere, and it was very grounded. Is that something you wanted to try and keep real?
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, it is a very um, nature... It is, as you said, it's a very intimate... Nature-driven story, and sometimes trailers can, sh- you know, they show all the big bang of the movie, which there is plenty of. But in the end, it's a very intimate character-driven story, and uh, and I was always thinking of what would a Terrence Malick superhero movie look like, <laughs> basically, yeah, and that was kind of like the the uh, the approach to to getting it uh, intimate and to getting a a very natural mood. And in Norway, we're, we are very um, profoundly into our nature uh, because at, in many places, it's very beautiful. But not just that. I think as, a, as people, we're, we love our nature and, uh, or being in it. And uh, I just wanted to, to approach the, uh, a story like this
0: with that uh, as, uh, as the main you know, world. I thought the lead actor was very natural. And when I was watching it, I was thinking, where do I know him from? I've seen him in something before. And I remembered it was in Paper Towns, a film I'd seen a couple of years ago. Um, how did it come about casting Eric? Because I thought Nat Wolf was an incredible actor. Um, and to see him in a lead, I thought he was exceptional for the whole film.
1: No, that's great. No, I'm happy you say that. No, I, I think he really portrayed uh, Eric in a in a, in a really... Uh, wonderful way um, now he i've always I was looking for somebody like him. I wanted to be go away from the t- typical image of his ancestry in a way um, the character's ancestry and uh, and he really embodied a very grounded down to earth um, person who is in a lot of anguish in a way and he he was able to portray that. And he understood the character when I was interviewing him. When we were interviewing him, we were just chatting on our Skype. Yeah. Um, and um, and he was really very uh, eloquent about the way he th- saw the character. And in the end, to work with him was uh, an amazing experience uh, with the fact that he's so intuitively just following his... Uh, his emotions here and now while shooting. And, uh, and I, uh, I really appreciated that because you could, as a director, you, you get takes that are slightly different all the time and they evol- he's evolving the scene as he's experiencing it. And, um, and it's, uh, no, it was quite fun to work with him.
0: And then casting him, obviously he's American, was that then with the intention that he could then reveal the mythology by discovering his roots by going back? Is that how you came about choosing that instead of just going with someone else locally?
1: Yeah, exactly. I I think that because it's supposed to be a long ancestry history here that he he needed to have, we needed to put him as far away from basically discovering this as possible. And then uh, put him back in the environment that recreates this, uh, this situation. So, and also, there are so many Norwegians who have American heritage, uh, or uh, sorry, the other way. Uh, so many Americans who have Norwegian heritage. Yeah. And and uh, like actually, millions of Americans have Norwegian heritage because they, as the Irish and many others did, they left the country uh, around that same time, mid late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Explore the American opportunities, and um, and I, I wanted to tap into that because it's a very typical Norwegian thing. Actually, almost every Norwegian has a has some family member in America. Yeah, and I just thought it was a great way into telling the story.
0: It worked really well in revealing all the mythology. I thought it was a really good um, casting decision there by yourself. When I was watching him on screen as well, I felt that he was really natural. Um, did you allow him a lot of space as a director or were you quite controlling of the character? I can imagine you allowing him to be quite free at times and go with the character and give him his own ideas on set or were you quite controlling?
1: No, I tend to, I try to I try to create some parameters for what the character, and in, I believe that my biggest job is in, in the talks we have in advance of shooting, yeah um, and then on set, all I do is just guide him on the performance levels or her or whoever it is just guide on uh, on the details of things and he I let the actors usually try to explore as much as possible, but I usually have like a physical blocking in mind that uh, that we discuss and we plan out in the morning together and but I love to watch an actor discover the moment. Yeah. I mean, to sit and just watch my monitor, sit and watch them next to the camera or whatever the situation is, I love to see that the actor is just, oh, they're just nailing it. It's the most amazing moment for a director. Yeah. More so than doing special effects or action sequences or anything. Yeah. It's just watching the actors just
0: get it. And why everyone that comes on the podcast, it doesn't matter if they're an actor, a director, a producer, what advice do you give for people that are listening that want to become a filmmaker like yourself when it's such a hard world to get into? Um, but obviously you did it with the use of super eight cameras with your friends, but what advice do you give to those people that want to make a career out of it?
1: I mean, I really, I mean, I'm a genre filmmaker. Um, so I, I love genre filmmaking. I love the genres. I love the, 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 um, the uh, the people uh, who are into horror genre, for example, which is my core base genre, um, they really embrace filmmakers in a way that a lot of uh, you don't necessarily expect. And um, I would advise young filmmakers, if they can, to do short films and really short films. The shorter, the better. Maximum ten minutes. Um, and do it in a genre because then you can submit it to genre festivals as opposed to these enormously competitive uh, art festivals where it's yeah. just a lucky draw to get into Cannes or something crazy like that. Because the, the horror genre uh, and the people who organize the festivals there, they love, they, they love the, uh, the genre. They're really like lifelong uh, fans and they will want to help you. Like they did with me, uh, like they're constantly doing with my uh, movies, they want to support uh, new, fresh voices. And I think that if you can make something short that is less than ten minutes, and the shorter the better, festivals like that can easily slot your movie in. It's you actually up your chances for getting it in just yeah. by shortening it. And uh, and great focus little films like that. Uh, it's not, it doesn't need to be expensive. And that's a wonder of the horror genre as well, is that you can create a little thing like lights out, for example, like the the Swedish director did, a two minute thing, and it blows up. That's an exception to any rule, but the idea is still the same, that you can still get, uh, you can win so much about finding a a community, like the horror community, and, and become part of that.
0: And with everything that's happening in the world right now, um, I know you were due to work on the Stephen King adaptation of The Long Walk, which I was really excited about. Um, I'm not sure if you're able to talk about it right now because of contracts and stuff, but is this something that we hope will still come to light?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talked to the studio as late this yesterday about it. So we're we're definitely... uh, you know, it's there, but and we're working on it. But the thing is, obviously, as with every production right now, we we don't know when we can actually start. Yeah. Um, but it's it's no, uh, nothing's changed in a way other than probably we're looking at losing a year. Yeah. Know?
0: And do you feel quite a lot of pressure when Stephen King's name is attached, when we've had all <laughs> this stuff like it that's done so well and we've got Firestar in yeah. the really works and Pet cemetery and all this? Do you feel like it's a, an extra pressure when it's so on?
1: yeah but it's but it's also a challenge i it's actually it's uh, it's invigorating because it's i have to live up to i admire stephen king so much he's so much part of my um, my world of storytelling uh i read so many of his novels uh especially in the you know when i was a teen and when i was young um and uh but i find it to be an opportunity to be able to put that on screen. I'm. I'm not really scared of it. I'm more like I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to make this uh, ensure that this becomes a great, great uh, movie that deserves to be part of his canon. And of course, my ideal is I want to be one of. I want to. I want it to be one of the ten best King adaptations ever. That's clearly you know. Yeah. Uh, so no, I find it to just be the challenge of living up to that is invigorating in a way.
0: And with all your films, I think they work as standalone films, so I wouldn't want to see another Troll Hunter. I wouldn't need to see another Jane Doe. But when I finished uh, Mortal, I did believe that there could be a sequel. Um, It it feels like there could be a lot more to tell. Is that an intention with the kind of possibility that you may do it again in the next few years, or is it still just a one-off for you?
1: No, I mean, it's definitely always been planned out as the beginning of a longer story. You can think of it as a trilogy. It doesn't need to be that. But I mean, you know, as our minds are dead set on the number three, it kind of tends to become that. (laughs) Um, But it's uh, I, I would love to continue that story because as you obviously know, the movie twists heavily in the last couple of minutes.
0: Massively. and
1: Yeah, and it becomes a whole different character journey from there on out. And that's a character journey I would love to explore and have a lot of ideas for. But, you know, it's uh, I'm lucky to have other uh, big, wonderful movies like The Long Walk right now that I'm uh, hoping to do next. So when that will be, I don't know.
0: And are you going to be doing more scary stories? I heard is the second part. Is that still, are you still in talks and hopefully making that happen soon? Yeah, we're working
1: on the I'm working with the writers on the story and script and it's all moving forward.
0: It's yeah. exciting. You're gonna be very busy over the next few years. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I feel like if all these movies kinda of come to fruition, it's uh it's yeah, my future I'm set for a
0: few years. Yeah. You won't get to sleep or do anything else. You're just gonna be busy. So yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's yeah, that would be good. Yeah.
0: Okay, Andre, um, I think our time's up. I think we're scheduled sort of 25 minutes, but um, I wanted to thank you for your time and um, I wish you all the luck with the release of Mortal. I think you've got some amazing stuff in the pipeline and to know you're going to be working on the long walk has made my day. And I think, you know, it's a lot of pressure, but if you deliver one of the top 10 adaptations alongside Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it's a hell of an achievement. So uh, I do wish you all the luck with that. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and Andre. What a great guy. Really, really cool to talk to. And again, I say this with most of my guests. I reckon I could have talked to him for at least another couple of hours. He's really interesting and I love his thought process and just how creative he is. I just love it. And to see the way he works and find out more about how he does all the costume design and set design and everything else. It's just incredible, so thanks again to Andre for coming on the show, and everybody, if you've listened today and you want to go and check out the film Mortal, it's available now on DVD and video on demand, and I reckon you should go and see it. I absolutely loved it, I got an advance copy, I watched it and thought it was fantastic, the main lead is brilliant, and it's just a great film, so go and check it out right now. Thanks again for everyone that's listening. At the moment we're getting so close now to the big episode 100 and the episodes are coming really fast. We've literally got episodes every few days at the moment and it's just getting really, really busy. But I'm loving it. I'm loving doing these interviews and there's more and more coming your way, literally probably this weekend. So stay tuned for that. As always, if you love the podcast, jump on markandme.com On there, there's links to all my social media. I do read every tweet, every Facebook comment, every email, every Instagram post. Anything that you leave, I read and really appreciate it. So please keep all the feedback coming. If you're new to this podcast and you want to support me, I do have a Patreon page. The link is on markame.com. You can support the podcast from as little as a pound a month. And do you know what? It really does make a difference. You might think it's only a pound, but it makes a huge difference when I'm setting up podcasts, getting to travel the country, host the podcast. I'm a one man team and any bit of money that comes in from the Patreon goes right back into the podcast and allows me to record more interviews, which means more episodes for you guys out there. So please keep the support coming. Thanks again everyone for tuning in. I hope you're all very well and I'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode. Take care everyone.